We're going to be reading Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, you might be thinking, wow, short Bible reading, short sermon. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, I don't normally start this way, but I just want to uh, say I have had two negative COVID tests in the last few days. You might notice so I'm losing my voice. Um, so I just want to, if that's going to be distracting for you, I've, uh, I'm pretty confident I'm COVID negative. I haven't did the percentages on two tests and how probable mine were. It's about 99.6% that I don't have COVID if I, if I poked myself properly. All right. We are in Romans chapter 12 to 16 for, the, for this term. And it's really this wonderful passage explaining righteous living. Now, last week we looked primarily at verse 1 of verse 12. Today we're looking primarily at verse 2 of chapter 12. We will speed up as we go a little bit. But last week we looked at sort of the reason why we would live righteously, which was because of God's mercy. Right? Righteous living isn't, isn't something we do to earn God's mercy. It's actually a response to the mercy that he has shown us. It's a response to who he is that we we're in need of mercy, uh, but he has lovingly shown us his mercy and he continues to show us and wants to see change and transformation in our lives because he is merciful and good and wants the best for us. So the why of righteous living, God is merciful. Uh, we saw the what of righteous living, which is the call to be a sacrifice, right? to give up something for something better. And we're going to see over the coming weeks how giving up sort of the, the sinful th things of this world, that fleeting pleasures that look so good for the eternal treasures of the kingdom uh, is more than worth it. So the what, and we also looked at the where. The where this is taking us is transformation in us and mobilisation through us, right? So good change in us and actually good change through us. We're sort of double-clicking on that transformation one this week. So we're asking the question and thinking about how God is determined to see good and wonderful change in us. Now, change, you might have heard, is inevitable. Apparently, the counterexample to that is if you put money into a vending machine. Okay, but in, in almost every case, change is inevitable. Took a little while. The question for us is how can good change occur? Right, the change that we want to see, that others want to see in us, that God wants to see in us. The change sort of like becoming more joyful, more kind, more patient. All those things. How can that good change occur? Now, our passage today really talks about how two sorts of things can change us. Uh, the first is that we can be conformed to this world. But the call is actually to be transformed be changed by God. So we're going to look at those things and, and how they work for us. So firstly, and, and really today, it's, we're just going through verse 2 primarily. So I'm just going to walk us through, slowly through the scripture, sort of our outline. 
Um, so firstly, do not be conformed to this world. To be conformed is to be molded or to be shaped. Okay. Now, this verb is, is a passive verb. So an active verb would be sort of something that we might do to, to something else, like we might mould some clay in, into something. Uh, but, it, but the verb here is it, it, it's passive, so it's an action that's, that's possibly happening to us, right? It's, uh, it's us that, that are possibly being moulded. And it's also a present passive verb, which, which means it's sort of this ongoing uh, thing that, that could be happening. Right, so I go into that because it's important for us to, to realise that um, what, what it's saying is that that something external to us can, can mould us and this is something that's ongoing as we live in this world. Now the agent of change in this case is the world. Okay, now this word could be translated age. It's translated that in, in Matthew 28, for instance, um, where, where Jesus says, I'm with you to the end of, of this age. Right, so, so what I think it's getting at here is, is don't be conformed to, to this culture or, or what's going on in, in the world around us. I think we're meant to bring to mind Romans chapter 1 where, where Paul's talking about unrighteousness and how humanity has chosen to reject the creator and to worship created things. Right? And in a world where that is happening, we're likely to be conformed likewise, right? Our hearts might be drawn to worshipping and idolising the created things rather than worshipping the creator. So it exerts a force on us. It influences us, uh, moulds us to be like it, to uh, be no different from it, and even to be a part of influencing others likewise. Now, just as it's easier for us to go downstream than upstream, it's easier for us to lose fitness than gain fitness. It's, it's actually easier for us to be conformed to the world uh, and its expectations then go against them because our sin nature is going to want us to go there. See, sin makes false promises which we're tempted to believe. Promises are pleasure security, fame, all, all of these things. And because so much of our sin nature is actually about the approval of others, getting others' approval, or in many cases being envious or jealous of others, because, because we look so much in our sin to, to what's happening around us, we're actually drawn to wanting to conform to the world. And the charge here is don't let that happen to you. And it's not just don't let that happen to you. You've got to remember this letter is written in the context, it's to a church. It's also don't let it happen to us. We want to be loving and caring for one another by, by actually helping one another to not conform to the world as well. It's not just an individual thing, it's a corporate call here. Now it's helpful for us to, to consider and, and think, well, what are some of the influences in the world that are conforming us? You want to take the time to think for yourself. What are some of the things? Is it the, the media that you're choosing to consume? Right? Social media, things that you're reading, things that you're watching. Uh, is it your peers? Right? Those, those around you, your, your friends and acquaintances, your family. Is it your workplace? Some of the pressures and expectations going on there. Now, the challenge for us is in all of these things 
is that these influences aren't, aren't necessarily 100% bad. Um, and and the, the call of this passage isn't sort of escape the world or, or be out of the world. It's don't be conformed by it. So there's, there's a lot of wisdom and, and challenge in how do we apply this call to not be conformed uh, to the world. And I think with a lot of these influences, I'm actually a lot better at discerning the influences for my children than I am for, for myself. I wonder if others who have experienced that um, you know, are way more likely to, to think through, okay, is this going to be good or bad influence? Um, whereas I don't take the time to think for myself. And, and all of this really, it's, it's helpful and important, especially in areas where we're likely to conform, to really think about the influences and the situations that we're putting ourselves in. Now, the common reaction when we hear something like don't be conformed to this world is to focus on our own willpower. All right, to go, okay, I'm not going to be conformed. All right, another common one is to, to put up walls. So, so I'm going to put barriers in place to make sure that I don't conform. Now, in a, in a sense, both of these things can, can be helpful. Um, so, for instance, if, if you... Gambling is a is a real challenge for you. Both of those things, to an extent, could be could be helpful, right? But we, we all know that that actually, if, if that's a real challenge for you, your heart's drawn to that. Neither of those two things is going to work. They can be helpful, but we actually need to focus not just on not being conformed, but to, we have to turn our eyes to something positive. I think it's really helpful idea, the, the biblical idea of repentance, right? We need to, we need to identify where, our, where we've been drawn, where we're, we're starting to conform to the world. Identify it, repent of it. And that word repent means to turn away. We're called to turn away and to focus our eyes on something better and something greater. As we repent, we turn from our sin and we trust in Jesus and his salvation. Uh, to, to turn means we turn to the presence and promise of something greater. And the call in this passage really clearly is to turn from being conformed to turn to be transformed. This is a work of God in us by his mercy. Now the word but there is a very strong word. We can translate a few different Greek words into the English but. This one I wish in our Bibles, I know it would sort of break rules or something, but I think we should bold this word when, we, when it appears in our Bibles, because it really is helpful for us to know that there's a, there's a big contrast going on here. Right? The, the call of this passage is, is not just don't, don't be greedy, it's but be generous. And it's not just don't be lustful, but be pure and faithful. Not just don't be self-interested, but love others. Okay, there's a call, don't conform, but be transformed. Uh, it's not just the absence of something negative, but it is the, the presence of something positive. And that, I think, is really important and helpful uh, for us. Now, this word, uh, be transformed, uh, it's actually paralleled with the conformed word. So it's the same, it, it's also passive. Uh, but it's also present. So this is something that's an ongoing thing. In this case, God is the agent of this change. I'm going to look at that more in, in a bit, but he is the one 
uh, that, that acts upon us to transform us by his spirit working in our heart. And it's important to notice that this, this word is an internal change rather than external. So be conformed, there's an external force applying to conform us, whereas transformed, it's an internal force acting to change us. And that's really important because if we're changed internally, it actually means that we can then act like we can be different externally. And that will actually change um, how we respond to, to other things around us. So this is a call to a fundamental change of character and conduct. It's not just a call to do differently, to act differently. It's a call to be different. Now, our, our text here gives us three necessary ingredients for this transformation. Firstly, by the renewal of your mind. That word mind, um, that, that's calling us to think differently so that we'll be different. Okay, so it's a mindset change that's, that's been called for here. You know, growing up, I, the, the mind's a powerful thing. Uh, growing up, I disliked intensely tomatoes. I might have shared this story before, but I would pick tomatoes out of anything. And I tell you, well, I have such a nose for it. It could be the tiniest skerrick of tomato and it would not be allowed to enter my, my mouth, my stomach. I just strongly dislike tomatoes. And I, I was in a situation where there was just no, no real food that wasn't contaminated with tomatoes to eat when I was a teenager. It's like, what do I do? Because as a teenage boy, you're like, man, you've, if, if you're not eating at that moment, you're, you're going to be dying within an hour or so. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to eat this tomato. And I remember trying to have a mindset change and go, oh, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like this tomato. You know, I wouldn't say in that moment that I suddenly switched and loved tomatoes, but that was eye-opening for me that sort of the mind, my mind had this power uh, that could really change things. And over a course of, of time, I just went, no, I'm just going to eat tomatoes. Now I love them. I've actually done that with all foods. Right? If you're a fussy eater, kids, just tell yourself you'll like it. And in a few weeks and months, you will love it. Life is so much easier when you like all foods. The mind is a powerful thing. But the, the call here is to have a renewed mind. And this is important. This is a call to, to, for what comes naturally to us to change. Right, so this is a, is a call of a mindset change where what might come naturally um, in our sinful nature might be greed. Is actually that there's a call here that that generosity might be the, the natural state of our mind. That that's what we might be drawn to and want. So it's different here to willpower. Okay, willpower is about fighting sort of our, our nature and our inclinations. Right, a mindset change, a renewed mind is about new and good inclination. It's really powerful and really wonderful. Uh, it's, this renewal comes through God's Holy Spirit at work in us. This really is a call to, to live in light of what Paul explains so wonderfully in Romans 6 and 7. I just want to quickly remind us of that again in verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we'd no longer be enslaved to sin. 
Right, we're free from this sinful nature. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It goes on from there to wonderfully explain how we, we can and we're called to live righteously and we can do that in the power of God's Holy Spirit. Right, there's a, there's a mindset change that occurs in the Christian uh, which, which enables us to say no to that sinful nature and yes, to that new nature that God gives us by his spirit. But the, the next ingredient there, the next phrase, is that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. I think a lot of us ask the question, what is the will of God? The, the scripture actually answers this really clearly in a number of points. The will of God in Thessalonians is that we'd be sanctified. The, the will of God is that we might know Jesus and trust him. Uh, the, the will of God is us living righteously, as Romans 12 to, to 16 is, is telling us. The, the will of God is to, for us to live and obey in light of all his promises in Jesus Christ. Now, so many of us, I think, we, when we see this phrase, the will of God, we, we think to ourselves, oh, is it God's will that I have this career or that career? Is it God's will that I um, you know, study this or study that? Is it God's will that I live here or there? Is it God's will that I marry, not marry uh, this person, that person? Th those sorts of things. Now, those are all important and helpful questions. But what God has revealed in his word is actually the principles behind the answers to those questions, if that makes sense. So it's not going to tell you what work to do necessarily, but the Bible does call us in terms of how to work and our attitude and perspective towards work. In fact, these, these following chapters in Romans 12 to 16 it just outlines beautifully and wonderful what is the, the will of God for our lives. I encourage you to, to read it. But the key thing in this, this little phrase is that we're called... So, so the will of God is, is the revealed word of will of God in, in his scripture, that he wants to see change and transformation in us. Um, the, this phrase uh, talks about that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Now, this is, this is interesting, the way it's phrased here. The call here is not for us to just know what is the will of God, but is actually to experience it, to test it. Uh, and in doing so, I think our minds actually are convinced um, of, of the goodness of God's will. So an example of this is when I was 21, I got a job in Melbourne and I moved city. And uh, my new employer put me up for a month in one of those self-contained apartments. And I experienced the freedom of living not under the rules of my parents. And you know one of the first things that I did, or didn't do really? Clean. Like why would you need to clean dishes until you need to use them? Like why have my parents been enforcing that this whole time? Right? So I'd cook stuff and just leave it sitting around there. And I was great for a little while until the vermin uh, started visiting. And I also discovered that it's way harder to clean a pan that's been sitting there for a week or two than it is to just clean it straight away. There's all sorts of good things that I've just naturally been experiencing sort of under my, my parents' care. Um, 
Now, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon goes through and experiences all these different different things, anything you could experience under the sun. We don't need to do that right? because God's will is pretty clear and the call here, I think, is actually that we're to, to walk in it, to, to test that it's good right? and experience that it's good. So kids, I, I'd call you to, to live in light of what the Bible says and you test it and you'll actually experience that it's good. Well, a lot of what we look at it and go, so it's so restrictive and, and so forth. Um, I thought that about my parents and cleaning up. Turns out that life is so much better living God's way. Will you test that? And will you, as you test it, will you see that God's way is good? Okay, our, our third ingredient, um, and I sort of touched on this a little bit already, but it, it, what is good and acceptable and perfect? Now, this phrase here, it can, it can be sort of looked at in two ways in this passage, and I, I think both are actually are, are helpful. One is that what is good and acceptable and perfect is, is God's will. And as we do that, um, referring back to, to verse 1, that's our act of spiritual worship, that God is glorified. Right? So what it's, what it's saying here is that as, we, as, our, as we're transformed, um, this is good because it glorifies God as good and acceptable and perfect. The other way of, of looking at this, and I think this is also helpful, is that this transformation that is called for in this verse is good and acceptable and perfect as it applies to us. Right? It, it, it's saying that what we're supposed to be as, as those who've received God's mercy and have been changed into Christ's likeness, that is good and acceptable and perfect. Now here I just want to address a, a misconception in the, the Christian life. I think many of us, and this includes Christians as well as non-Christians, sort of think in terms of the, the Christian story is one where God has been kind in sending his son and saving us from sin. Right? He's kind and he's good in that. And we, we look forward to when Jesus comes again or when we die and he is kind, and he is good, and it's wonderful. We're in his presence forever in all eternity. But we still look at the time between that as, as being a bit of, look, we, we've just got to put up with this life as it is. Uh, we, we see these calls to righteous living, and we, we see this as being a bit restrictive. Uh, we've just got to sort of conform to, to God's will. But this here is saying that it is good and acceptable and perfect. It is good for us to be aligned with his will, to be walking in his way. If God is the creator, then he knows what is good for us. If he's our saviour, then he also wants. The, the Bible tells us that, that life's not necessarily going to be easy. But let us see with, with renewed eyes uh, that what God wants for us and what God is doing in us, his children, is good. Transforming us, it might be hard, might be challenging, but it is good, both for us and for his glory. As we'll look at next week, it is good because as he changes us and transforms us, he uses us uh, to love others. So this is such a helpful and important verse for us. The call in this verse is do not be conformed, but be transformed. Don't let the external 
to what's going on around us in the world be shaping us, but be transformed inwardly by God at work within us. I just want to spend a little bit of time now thinking about how to actually apply that to us. Because right? I hope as you've been listening, you've been thinking, wow, wow there's these things that I'd love God to change or transform in my life. Now, as I was preparing this sermon, I actually thought hey, a really helpful illustration would be where God has done this in my life. And he has done it many times. One, one I'll just quickly share is pornography. 20-odd years ago, I was addicted to pornography. I was in a terrible cycle, um, shameful. I can, I can stand up here today and, and tell you that, that, that my mindset um, towards pornography is transformed. I'm just completely completely changed. My, my desire to, to look at it has changed, how, how I think about it has changed. And I'm not I'm free from that. I mean there's there's little temptations here and there, but for, for years, for over a decade, that has just not been a, a part of part of my life. God has transformed me just amazingly. And I share that because I know that that's something that many challenge with and I'd love to speak to you about that afterwards. Um, God has transformed other aspects of, of, of my life, and I know, and I, I have such a privilege as a pastor of seeing this, he has transformed so many of you. But the example I actually want to share is a present example, um, a, a present example of, of how I'm being conformed to the world, and I would love to see God transform me. And it's in the area of what I call hard-heartedness. Uh, so, so every year I actually think through um, what's, a, what's a character aspect that, that I love God to, to change in me. And, and for this year it's been love God to, to take me from hard-heartedness to, to tender-heartedness. Now my hard-heartedness is, is particularly when people aren't doing as, as I think they should be doing. And it plays itself out um, in the workplace. Uh, it plays itself out out of my mind. And I've just become, God's graciously opened my eyes to this. Uh, but now I'm in the, the process of, of praying through how he might transform me and, and, and help me to be tender-hearted. So a, a couple of things. Firstly, I, I actually have shared with a number of people that this is an area that I think God's working in my heart. Now, when you share something like this with people, you sort of want them to go, no, no, you are not hard-hearted. That is not my experience of you. Uh, I'll tell you what, the, the church staff, like you could almost hear they're like, yeah. Um, I said this with Carly, and, and she, she was just like, she just lit up. I was like, I've been praying that for you for ages. Um, she then gave me all of these other examples of how I'm hard-hearted that I wasn't even aware. Um, and I, someone gave me the advice, there's a, there's a book, Gentle and Lowly, which I'm working, which is really on this topic. There's a verse that I've learned, um, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ of you. As I read through the scriptures, as I, I do every year, I'm right now I'm in a uh, period period of Mark's gospel and, and just seeing Jesus' tender-heartedness. Um, just saw this past day or two, you know, he's on the way to hear, heal Jairus' daughter 
And, and this, this woman who's been bleeding comes to him and seeing his tender hardness. I know in that situation, I'll be like, hang on, I've already got something important I'm doing. Um, so just seeing it all over the place. So I share this because this is, a, this is something that, that I'm working through right now. But this is something I want to call each one of us to this year. Right? Will you pray regularly and seek God to transform your heart in some specific way this year? Okay, there's a, there's a slide that I'll put up because there's just a few points that I, I want us to work through in this. Um, firstly, right, right now, you, you might already know what it is that you would just long to see God transform in you. Uh, but I just call you to reflect. Reflect on his word. There's particularly some, some passages like Galatians 5, Colossians 3, the second half of Ephesians 4, which sort of parallel sort of being conformed to the world uh, and, and this idea of being transformed by God. So reflect on, on the scripture. How would God uh, want to transform you this year? I call you to humbly ask others. Okay. And it is hard. It's, it's hard to hear that, oh, yeah, that is something that needs to be changed. But it's so helpful as others, particularly those around us in your discipleship groups, your community team, those that you're, you're spending time in your family, humbly ask others. And so as you, as you come to, okay, what's the, what's the thing that this year I'm asking God to transform in me? I'd actually invite you to share your prayer with others. I find this really helpful having others praying alongside of me, asking me how it's going, encouraging me in this. I said before that this, this is a call not just individually but as a whole church. I would love to pray for you if you're willing to be vulnerable and share with, with me. Next week, actually, going to give opportunity for everyone. We're going to talk about mobilisation. I'm going to give opportunity for everyone to, to share how they're wanting to be transformed and mobilised. And I will pray for each of you every week that shares that. Um, then we, we all want to be praying uh, for it. And finally, we want to celebrate stories of, of transformation. Uh, let's celebrate victory over sin. We want to celebrate change in us. Now, I know along the, this road, there's often stumbling blocks. There's often times we go back and forth and those sorts of things. But let's celebrate as God transforms us. And I want us to, to think and remember that this transformation that God does in us, sure, it's for us. It's to make us more Christ-like. But as he does that, he changes how we're interacting with others. I just think about how different my workplace will be, how different my family will be as God transforms my heart in this way. And imagine that for each and every one of us. As God might work that transformation in your heart, how that might so change our entire church. I just long to see that. I long to hear stories about that. And that is something we want to hear and share this year. So will you take the time this week to really reflect, to begin asking and begin praying? Um, because this is transformation that God longs to do in us. I, for one, long to see it happen. Father, we do thank you that you are merciful to us. Not only do you save us from our sin, uh, from just the, the filthiness of, of that, the despair of that, but you 
bring us into your light. You clothe us with the righteousness of Christ and you transform us. Uh, Lord, you embrace us as your children and as, as a loving father, you want to see us changed and transformed for our good and for your glory. Father, pray for each of us. I know there might be some hard things on our hearts right now. I know that some of us might be doubting that this change, this transformation that, that we long to see, that it can ever happen. Maybe there's sin that we've been battling for years and years and years. Father, I pray uh, that we would turn to you. We would trust that you are powerful, that you want to see good change, and I pray that you would do that in us this year. Father, I pray that we'd be able to celebrate stories of transformation as a church family and that you would be making us more and more uh, into the image of Christ. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Please stand as we sing the song of response. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless prayer. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from Thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mic would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as you choose. Here am I, so Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at the feet its treasure store. Take my love and I will be ever
it's so wonderful to, to worship the Lord with you. I know there's many on Zoom this morning. We're glad that you could join us and, and worship along in this way. Just a really quick reminder and encouragement. If you uh, would like to come to Belong, which is really our newcomer's time, uh, just see either Katie or myself in the foyer after the service and we'll get some food organised. But that's just a, an hour or two uh, where we have a little discussion about what it looks like to belong to our church community, ask and answer any questions. Let me send you out now, uh, just with these wonderful words from Romans 12 again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable.